My first time was terrifying. My first time was scary. Exciting. Shocking. Traumatic. Sad. Awkward. Weird. Uncomfortable. Depressing. A relief. I thought I was dying. Meh. <laughs> My first time was horrifying. <laughs> My first time was empowering. My first time. My first time. My name is Janet Mbogwa. I'm a media personality from Kenya, the founder of the award-winning Inuadado Foundation, author of My First Time, which has inspired this podcast about first-time period stories, and I'm a mom of two amazing boys. It's important to me that we continue normalizing and mainstreaming taboo conversations through diverse voices, because when everyone is included, everyone wins. It's not often that you hear about a first time being celebrated to a point where you're being cooked for or being adorned or being asked, can we get you anything? But luckily for Nadia Abdallah, that was her introduction into this transition. And while we are very aware that menstrual parties and other incredible ways of normalizing and introducing women and girls to menstruation take place, I have to say it was really refreshing to see and to hear Nadia reflect on that day as a 13-year-old that she was able to really feel like a woman. Here's her story. What was your first period and how did it make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, I think I was, I was 13. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm what do they say, late? Late, late bloomer. Yeah. <laughs> I was 13. So I had come from madrasa, you know, I think it's like Sunday school. Yeah. And in our madrasa, we wear white, yeah. all white. And uh, I got it when I was there in the school. No, no, no. I got it on my way back home. Now, I don't know why I didn't tell my late mom, my aunties. Mm. I just went upstairs, I remember, took a, a pad and went to the toilet to put it on. Girl. I put it on the opposite way. So the glue was, yeah, and then the other side was on my pan. And at first I was so uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. I sat and everything. But then my, my aunts were looking at me and wondering what's going on. So I had to tell them. <laughs> Let me tell you, from, you know, the girl who everyone thought was a baby and everything, and then, you know, our culture. Once they knew now I got my periods, they taught me how to wear the sanitary pads. My grandmother was told, my aunt was told, my, my mom was told, my stepdad was told, everyone was told. It was a party. I got two uh, as a leso. I was given some money. There was food that was cooked. And like literally my whole family found out and everybody started celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> that time you're like, what's going yeah, on? And I was like, so, but at first I was like, oh my God, I've become an, uh, a, a grown woman, yeah. you know, and everything. But then, you know, the, the next day came up and I started getting shy. And... Uh, I became a bit rebellious. So I'm not really sure. I think it's the hormones. I became rebellious, but uh, at the beginning, it was a party. Was but a that's party. also a pretty beautiful angle because you don't hear that all the time. Oh, really? No. Oh. A lot of the time, it's shrouded in, in shame. Yes, more and more we'll hear, yeah. you know, oh, we're happy for you, we're proud of you. But yeah. for it to be a party is actually the exception mm. and not the norm. So that's... Okay. Oh, no, our culture. Oh, my God. It was yeah. a party for me, my cousins, all of us. And you're given money. It <laughs> You know what's interesting, Nadia, is maybe we do need to demystify the myths and misconceptions because yes. when we speak to different cultures or religions, yeah. we don't hear that. So you'll hear somebody say, 
when I started in my culture or yeah. the religion I come from, yeah. I'm termed as dirty and I'm told that I can't be in a place of worship or I can't oh. be among other people. Did you never experience any of that? No, actually, after I got, and you know, because in, in school, primary school, there were those... The, the forums, like the yeah, sessions. Yeah, the forums and yeah. sessions where you're taught about condoms, you're yes. taught about sanitary pads. So for us, it became very exciting. And then when the conversation was at home, my family was more of, eh, you know, when you get your periods, now you'll do other things that us, all the women are doing. And I know it was, we have a way in which once you're done with your periods, you wash your hair. Mm. So for us, when you're done, you wash your hair, you cut your nails, um, you clean your ears, and you wear something new and something clean. Mm. So um, I know we're not supposed to pray for that amount of time. Mm -hmm. Or even but, fast, like if it's Ramadan. Fast, yeah. But the way it was introduced to me or told, it, it wasn't like you were dirty. No. In fact, we were told it's a time when our God is giving some time for the woman's body to cleanse itself. That's so, amazing. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm genuinely... I know for me, first of all, I was 10. I, I, I've talked about this so many times, so yeah. I was shocked. But I do remember yeah. later that evening, you know, my family just mm. sort of being like, oh, you know, well done. I, but I was also very young. I think I was, I was 10. Yeah, okay. But I do love this version that you're yeah. saying, which is about... So when did you learn that there were so many different versions of first times that some yeah. girls are made fun of or that yeah. some cultures mm. hinder? And what did that, how did that make you feel? No, I, actually, it made me feel very sad um, because... You know, I came from a place where I was being celebrated. I was being told, you're now a young lady. You can do this, you can do that. Um, but then when we go for, like with school, you know, sometimes you go for, what are they called? CSRs? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. then you go to the village or you go to other places and then we see how we have to take sanitary pads to them. Or we see how we have to take the ones that are, what are they called? They're, re they're washable, they're, they're reusable. They're reusable. And then I hear stories, you know, at, uh, when I was 16 and stuff. It, it, it got me feeling so sad because it was like, I was very delusional. Mm. I thought everyone was experiencing what I'm experiencing. Mm. But then to come and find out that some girls don't go to school yeah. because of it, yet for us, it was like a whole week of celebration or when I'm on my peers, in fact, at home, the first months, I was being asked, are you okay? Do you need something? I was, you know, if I wanted chocolate, chocolate was brought to me. A Panadol was brought to me. So personally, I didn't experience uh, excruciating pain. Yeah. Mine was just like my knees, my legs hurt. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, but then when I hear about other people, it mm -hmm. makes me feel sad. And then when I go to airports and I see condoms, but no pads. But no pads. It makes me think, you know... Where are our priorities? <laughs> yeah, because the pad or menstruation comes every month. Yeah. The condom, on the other hand, only when necessary. It's optional. Yeah, it's optional. Periods are not optional. Yeah, so that needs to be a t-shirt. Periods are yeah, not optional. So it's, it's very disheartening. And yeah. then the more when I grow up and then being exposed, I was working as a social entrepreneur, I get to know more. And then now also as a government official and I go to these places... And I still see that. I'm just like, uh -uh. So you don't think we're doing... We've made progress, but, but how much more do you think we need to do to mainstream yeah. issues on menstruation yeah. and to push for menstrual justice? I think the ones who get the periods need to talk more. Mm. Like, as harsh as that sounds, yeah. but it's true. Like, the women who are in these spaces, which is happening, you, like, for you and your uh, organization, you guys are doing it. But I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people who actually have the power, the us who are in policy, mm. or the ones who are going to come. 
it's not about a, it's not a debate anymore whether we should get more you know funding or whether we should no in fact we just it just needs to happen mm. because we can't be in 2022 and girls are still under a tree squatting on a hole for their period to to come out i think that is very wrong mm. so i feel like we still are letting um young girls down and it's not even a national thing i think it's a continental thing yeah we need to see the urgency you know this whole uh patriarchal chauvinistic thing needs to go we can fight about other things but not not periods like we need more work we need more a very strict policy that says let's not debate let's not question let's just get it done so we need sanitary pads to be more free and i personally so i know they're different ones mm -hmm. but if there was a way a systematic way in which we can have a standardized one that every woman every girl can get I think that could also be a progressive way to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, what Nadia said is critical in that girls must continue to be at the forefront of this conversation. And while we continue to speak to girls and women and other people who are affected by, by menstrual health, it's not often that the girls' voice is put front and center. And as long as we're not fully paying attention to the pain and confusion and you know, in some cases, uh, the joy or, or curiosity, then maybe we're missing the mark somewhere. So as we continue to advocate towards menstrual justice, let's put girls at the heart of it because through them, we can fully begin to understand how best to equip them and those after them to manage their menstrual health with dignity and with information and with products. Thank you for listening to the podcast, My First Time Stories, out every week. And you can follow us across our social media on My First Time Stories. Thank you for listening to my First Time Stories podcast, where we're pushing for menstrual justice one story at a time.